What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. Thank you for tuning into the show today. I'm Dean. You're with my pal. I'm Zach. What's up, everybody? Yes. Good to be back again for another episode. Hope you're doing well wherever this finds you. Uh, man, today, we're always excited for the episodes. I, mean, I think we say that for every episode, but it's true. Um, but we were really, really excited to catch up with this guest, uh, admired her work and all of the things that she is doing in the world for quite some time. And we're thrilled to be able to sit down and chat with Carrie Bennett. Yes. Also known as Carrie B. Wellness yeah. on the Instagrams, on the online world. I feel like Carrie represents a knowing, a knowledge of the path that we're most curious about right now. Totally. So she's kind of become a source for our own learning. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a go-to. She does such an incredible job, especially on her Instagram, but really on every podcast that she's been on, on her home podcast as well. She just really breaks it down in an understanding way where... You know, people, layman's like myself, can understand great, great possibilities. So if if you don't know where we're going, uh, Carrie B. Wellness, Carrie Bennett, is a quantum health educator and clinician. Uh, we get into light, water, electrons, how to heal our field. Um, it's like the bioenergetic view of, of the world, the quantum biology of, of our, our mitochondria, of water, of, of the soil, of the energy of the sun. Um, yeah, we kind of break it down into to those areas. Mitochondria, mitigating exposure to non-native EMFs, EMFs, practicing proper breathing techniques, aligning our habits with the seasons and cold plunging, electrons, what electrons are, how do we gather them, how do they affect us, how do they bring more positivity and well-being into our life, water, you know, we've been talking a lot about water, building up that exclusion zone or how we like to talk about structured or coherent water. How do we build that? How do we source it? And how does it benefit our well-being and light? The holiness of the sunshine could be red light as well. Um, Various forms to get that. Getting sunlight in your eyes and skin at key times of the day. Blocking the artificial lights. Those Mm -hmm. are the ones we don't want when it's dark out. And understanding red and infrared lights. So this was very much like the core pillars of, of quantum biology, quantum energy. And we kind of dabbled our, our, our feet in all of them. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Dina? Yeah, well, it was really, it was really fun. I think, uh, something that we had kind of been leaning into as we started discovering people like Carrie, who, you know, as she says on her website, helps people with everything they need to live quantumly. Like we started understanding, you know, some of these things that, on one hand seem kind of like oh I don't know like out there and and different and we don't often hear or think about you know these quantum things that affect us um however it's all like so simple to focus on the four kind of foundational things of like light water electrons and the mitochondria like our 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 cells and what's within our cells and to know that it's very simple things that support us thriving it's kind of intuitive and it makes sense right from from the water we drink to the way we expose ourselves appropriately to like sunlight and you know putting our bare feet on the earth and taking care of our ourselves from the inside out like it makes sense and that is like the quantum kind of energy realm that we've been going down and and carrie has been like a 
really helpful guide for us. And it's so funny, like our Instagram DMs, if you like scroll through them, there's so many of her, you know, slides that she shares or stories that she shares that are like in our, in our DM history, because it's just like, oh man, it's so simple. And yet it's so profound and so rich. And when you start to like lean in and live into some of these ways, like it just feels so good. So experientially, um, they're accessible to everyone, right? Good water, access to sunlight, putting your feet on the earth, like these things that uh, we can all try them and, and experience for ourselves with pretty low barrier mm-hmm. how it makes you feel, which I love. Yeah, take your shoes off. I, I think, uh, Dean, someday we should uh, make a video or share our our uh, chat group because it's so funny <laughs> all the things we, we ping back and forth oh to each gosh. other, all of our thoughts and considerations and yeah all the light bulb moments that might be, you know, simple for some, but are profound yeah. in many ways for us. So, uh, this episode is very much an introduction. So if, uh, if it does pique your fancy, um, there's a lot of information on Carrie's Instagram. I think that's a great hub to, yeah. to kind of go on your own exploration, go down your own rabbit holes. So it's Carrie B wellness, K A R R I E B wellness and uh enjoy it's like a it's a buffet of quantum goodness mm-hmm. all right dinner uh before we uh let this episode roll let's talk about our, our sponsors for this week yeah we uh we all know that first impressions really matter there are no two ways around it so what's the first thing that someone notices about you in most cases it's our face right we see each other we look at each other and and you know we look at our face and more importantly it's our skin And if you aren't already, it's time to put your best face forward. So how can you do that? Well, you got to add a skincare routine. And you know what? It's not hard. You just have have the right tools. And until now, you know, you may have not been using what's appropriate. You may not have been using anything. You might be like Zach and I and be like, we need a skincare routine. What's that? You know? Um, But luckily for us, we've stumbled upon Caldera Lab. And we have this amazing daily regimen, you know, it's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare, and it is here to save the day. And you can use our exclusive code, MOREGOOD, at calderalab.com to enjoy 20% off their best products. And these products are so good. I love the kind of daily regimen, or I posted on my IG a little while ago, like the starting lineup, you know? You got the face wash that is so good. It's the clean slate. You just, it feels so good. You wash it, it lathers up real nice, smells good. Follow that with the base layer, a little bit of hydration. It's this like nice thick cream that you can feel on your skin, but it doesn't feel like there's stuff on your skin. I don't like when there's like, I feel like I have something on me and this just like absorbs so fast and leaves you feeling so good. And then the good is a nice little serum the night before bed, you know, I put it on there, rub it in and uh, man, it works wonders. I love it. I mean, I'm in on the routine. I never had a skincare routine before, but now I am hooked. I am hooked on the Caldera Lab products. It's so good. And you two friends, listeners can get 20% off all of their products with our code more good. When you go to calderalab.com, that's 20% off at calderalab.com by using the code more good. Jump into skin and first impression royalty with Caldera Lab. Ooh wee. To make it even easier, you could also go to calderalab.com slash Morgan. That works too. That'll take you there. Whatever you fancy. Yes. All right. This episode is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. Mm-hmm. Our, our go-to morning 
routine here starts with AG1. We call it the wake and shake. Yes. Starting the day with our best foot forward. I feel like, um, you know, a lot of our friends and community have gotten on the AG1 train and uh, I haven't met anyone that's not a fan, you know, like it's a it's a subscription service for the most part. I mean, you can can order one and, and, and just try that. But everybody that I know that's got on the AG1 train is like staying on it full steam ahead because it's just so good. If anyone's like myself, I used to have like an embarrassingly large supplement cabinet as big as, you know, some some people's like soup or, you know, pasta or whatever a normal pantry looks like. That was like just all supplements for me. And now I just have one thing, AG1 by Athletic Greens. It's got everything I need. 75 incredible life-enhancing nutrients. It's got the probiotics, prebiotics, mushrooms, antioxidants, everything you need. So go to athleticgreens.com slash more good and get a one-year free supply of vitamin D and five free, free travel packs. That's at athleticgreens.com slash more good. Yes, get after it. Take care of yourself from the inside out with AG1. We love it. All right, on to this week's episode. All right, all right. Welcome back to another week of A Little More Good. We are so, so very excited for this week's conversation with the one and only Carrie Bennett, a.k.a. Carrie B. Wellness, as many of you will know from Instagram and social. Carrie, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks, guys. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Yes. yes. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, taking, taking time away from your, your busy schedule, taking uh, time away from your family, but uh, we know that you are now like fully energized, dialed in, ready to go because of this, uh, this life trajectory you've been on of exploring quantum wellness and health and healing. And so we're grateful for you and the message you will bring and also for taking time away from your busy life to, to share with us and our guests. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Like nothing, I mean, pun intended, nothing lights me up more than being able to share this information. It just has been so life-changing for me and I just want to share it with whoever wants to hear it. So thank you. Amazing. Just to kind of set the table a little bit. So similar to your own journey, like Dean and I have been very health, health uh, oriented, obsessed, kind of it's been a major pillar in our, on our teenage life and our adult life through sports and nutrition uh, growing up as, you know, high school athletes and continuing to play sports into our adulthood and always having like uh, nutrition and food as a pillar to kind of support and live our best lives. That was kind of always our focus until probably a year ago um, through Darren O'Lean, we kind of got some kind of inklings of, of further possibilities of kind of quantum healing and quantum energy. And we've really been on this journey of curiosity in the past year and firstly, I just wanted to express express gratitude because your what you, what you share through your Instagram, through your your channel, Carrie B Wellness. Um, you know, we were chatting about this earlier. Dean and I just kind of salivate at every post. Like this, it just opens up every post you share opens up new possibilities and new curiosities. And and you know, we go for runs and we go for saunas and and we really you know spend time talking about what you share. So it's really an honor to be able to sit down and share a conversation today. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you. So I thought we could kind of just dive into the quantum verse and spend some time uh, kind of going through your four pillars and then kind of see where it goes, goes from there. Um, light, water, electrons, and, and the mitochondria kind of being those pillars. Um, 
maybe we can use that for the foundation of this conversation and kind of just follow follow those threads where they go. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. I love it. Absolutely. I think I'm really interested in, in for our listeners, if, if this is the first time hearing you and, you know, they just start as they're listening, kind of checking on your Instagram, they're going to get a feel right away that you're someone who is uh, dispensing a lot of information about light and those pillars that Zach talked about, water, electrons, mitochondria, and some of those things we understand, some of them we don't. But how did you get to the place where you are, you know, creating, creating content, creating courses, sharing this information with the world? What was the kind of tipping point for you into your, let's call it your quantum journey? Well, you know, I mean, I think like most people who we get into, we have, have our own health challenges perhaps, and it leads us down these avenues. And and so that was how I got into health in general. Well, part of it was part of it was a job after college, frankly. Um, in in undergrad, I was uh, I was starting to either go to med school or grad school, so MD or PhD program, and it just didn't feel right for me. Right? I loved learning. I loved science. It's it was really cool to me, but I just wasn't called strongly to either. It was going to be a PhD in microbiology or an MD program, and it just it just didn't feel right. And so, kind of had a mental breakdown. Um, and went to my coach's office, my volleyball coach, I played college volleyball and I went to her office at the time and I said, I don't want to do any of that video. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I want to go to massage therapy school. And, um, and I don't even know where that came from, like massage therapy school. And so she was just like, so do it. So go. Right. And I contacted my parents. I was like, mom and dad, you know, I've loved learning. I love college. They helped put me through college. And I said, but I really want to go to massage therapy school now. And they were like, okay, Cool. Get a job. We we will, you know, support you emotionally. We know that you're on this learning journey, so we really support you. And I got the only job I knew at the time, which was a personal trainer. Having been a college athlete, it was like, well, might as well keep myself in shape, right? <laughs> the rest of the rest of my life and help other people at the same time. Um, and so that's where I kind of lived for about five or seven years. I had my own studio where I was doing massage, which was a whole different viewpoint on the body. It was really different than what I learned in undergrad. And then, um, you know, the personal training, right? Exercise and, and and helping people with their with their fitness. But then more more complex cases came to me. Like people were coming to me not just looking for a good workout. It was like, oh, I also have like these autoimmune conditions, or you know. And and, and in the meantime, my own health began to suffer. And so, about twelve years ago now, after my my first child was born, I had just insomnia, the worst insomnia, but at the same time, chronic fatigue. Um, gut issues, massive joint pain, so much bloating, stomach pain. And it's just like, what the heck? I thought I was healthy, right? And, and I didn't want to accept the idea of, oh, you're just getting older. Oh, you're a mom now. That's how it's supposed to be. And so like any good little nerd, I went back to school and I got a master's degree in clinical nutrition, right? Because that was a new thing. I hadn't really explored the nutrition avenue. And so that was great to learn. And even after applying all those strategies, though, I felt better, but I was relying really heavily on supplements. I didn't, I don't talk about that a ton on podcasts, but I was relying very heavily on supplements and had to be so strict with my nutrition just to kind of get by. Right. It's like, and always, I wanted to always kind of hold something back to have a little energy left in the tank, you know, for the day. So just, I wasn't living my best life. And so um, in the meantime, my son also wasn't sleeping at the time. And so here I am scrolling blogs, uh, you know, at midnight, maybe later, who knows. And I come across the work of Dr. Jack Cruz, who really opened my mind into viewing how my light environment was impacting my health. And if anyone has ever read a Jack Cruz blog, (laughs) especially at 2 a.m., you're like, 
there's a lot of stuff in here. Like there's this is full of so much stuff, but I think he actually is onto something. Like I couldn't fully digest it. My brain fog was too heavy, but I never, but he kept hammering home the idea of light, light, light. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll go outside at sunrise. Fine. I'll block the artificial light at night. And within three days of doing that, I felt better than I had in, you know, five years, right? It was just amazing. And so at that point I was like, okay, now this is a rabbit hole I have to go deep into. So now for the past decade or so, I've just been studying quantum biology for myself, the health of my family and my clients, right? I've been able to apply it in clinical practice. And then COVID shut everything down because I owned a gym. Like I owned a commercial property. I owned a gym and COVID shut everything down. And I said to myself, well, they say you're supposed to be on social media. So I think I'm just going to commit to making one post a day for a year about this quantum biology stuff, this, this light stuff, and see if anyone's interested. And, you know, <laughs> fast forward, people are interested in learning about this stuff. So it's just been a really cool journey and to be able to get to this point to teach this stuff that I just love learning about so much. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I think the power of of our stories are, you know, what compel people. And, and it's not just like, oh, here's information, but literally here's how doing these things have impacted my life and changed it from someone experiencing, like you said, chronic fatigue and also this kind of chronic insomnia and, you know, uh, that there is a better way to live. And I love that you followed your curiosity and your kind of rebellion against like, no, this isn't just how a new parent should feel. And I think a lot of us give into that. Like, I work, I'm busy, I'm tired, I'm stressed, and this is just how it's supposed to be. And we let we let our kind of like best version of ourselves slip away like year after year. And I love that you kind of stopped and intervened and, and now have this platform to help others to say, whoa, wait a second, like, could it be as simple as sunlight, eliminate some of these, you know, new technological features and take care of ourselves kind of from the inside out with these simple you know, key four pillars of, of light, of water, the electrons and, and looking after our mitochondria. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it really, I, I had to dive down into the science because it sounded too good to be true. Mm. Right. You know, because the, when you learn this stuff, the application of it is actually quite simple. It's fairly inexpensive, if not free. And so I had to convince myself that like spending more time outside, especially at key times of the day that I, as I learned was really going to benefit me. And so I had to really learn the science to this deep extent for me to even, it's like, otherwise I wanted a supplement. I wanted a device. I wanted something that would heal me. And instead it turns out that my, my relationship with light is really what, what healed me. And I've seen that happen time and time again with clients. Well, let's let's dive into the into the light beams. Um, just kind of as a, a, a prelude, uh, you'll kind of have a laugh at this. Since since learning and following your work and others, Dean and I will often start a day and we'll send uh, selfies to each other of us standing with like the sunlight beaming down on our faces with big smiles, like holding. I love it. Or you know, our water, our sun charged, you know, coherent water or whatever. Yes. <laughs> So we're, we've been trying to, uh, whenever we get those morning rays and those end of day rays, we, we kind of share it with you, you know, a quick tech selfie or, or a laugh, uh, laugh with each other. Yeah. Um, but let's get into it. Let's talk about light. Um, how getting, you know, we we're, Dean and I were talking earlier, how sun is kind of like carbohydrates of like, you know, the quantum world, like, uh, it has a bad rep in a lot of ways where people kind of fear the sun and that that was like a major shift of perspective for me that like 
the light actually is energizing, uh, learning about the circadian rhythm, which I'd love for you to touch on. Um, and the light is, is to our, we can supplement with sun. You know, we talk about that instead of kind of hiding behind sunglasses and hats and sunscreen, um, to a degree. So, um, I'll kind of pass that to you. Um, but let's, let's get into light and how that was kind of your gateway to changing your own health. Absolutely. Um, so once, once I understood the concept of circadian rhythm, it made sense that there were signals and light that would be setting my circadian rhythm. And that light is a nutrient, right? Exactly. Light's a nutrient, not something we should fear, something that we just have to make sure we get a balanced amount of. Um, and so, so with, with the circadian rhythm, I think that's becoming a bit of a more popular word these days, kind of like mitochondria, you know, it was like, Got, got more and more common, you know, in the jargon over the course of the past decade. Circadian rhythm, at least I'm hoping, is getting more popular in terms of people's awareness. And so what, what I finally realized was that my body is full of all these cells that are really trying to just organize and coordinate all of their tasks. And it, it was like, what is the signal that's telling them what to do, right? Because, you know, in, I don't know, in, in undergrad, when I was studying bio, biochemistry and molecular biology, I loved studying all these like complex pathways, but I never stopped and asked the question, but what kicks off the pathway or what, you know, what? And so that's where I realized then, especially through Dr. Cruz's work, is that light is a signal. Light is a signal. And so what happens with sunlight? Everyone's seen sunlight uh, broken through a prism or through a rainbow, and we see it contains these different colors. And each of those colors are different, what are called wavelengths. And so that's just a fancy way of saying it contains differing amounts of energy and information in those colors. And so it turns out that the, the clock in my brain that sets my, my circadian rhythm, that really helps my body tell time, is keyed into blue light wavelengths. And so how does blue light appear to us? Well, for all intents and purposes, before the sun rises, even if there is blue light in the environment, it's not intense enough for my brain to sense it. I've got these little sensors in the backs of my eyes called melanopsin receptors that are just waiting to capture blue light and sense it and communicate that to the brain, to the clock in my brain. And so as soon as the sun breaks the horizon, the blue light becomes intense enough that all of a sudden those little receptors, those blue light sensors in the backs of my eyes start firing. And there's a direct connection between those sensors in the backs of my eyes and the clock in my brain called the retinohypothalamic tract. So basically then, as the sun rises higher and higher in the sky, you get a layering effect of more and more blue light, more intense blue light until the sun reaches its high point. And then the blue light starts to go away, go away until it disappears after sunset. And that is how I tell time in my body. How much blue light are those sensors in my eyes picking up and communicating to the clock in my brain? The clock in my brain, that suprachiasmatic nucleus, then basically kind of vibrates out a signal. And every cell in my body can sense that signal and say, oh, it's 8 a.m. time to have a bowel movement. Or, you know, it's darkness time to start to uh, run our repair programs, right? So all of it is tied to that circadian timing. And so what I was recognizing when I was having hormone issues, gut issues, fatigue, was that. I never gave my brain the correct timing. Like I, I was, I never synced it up to natural light signals. And so no wonder my body was kind of confused and no wonder my body had a hard time repairing and recovering because I was probably under artificial light, either at a gym all day or at night staring at a screen 
you know, from 5 a.m. until 10 p.m. And then after I tried to put my kids to bed, I'm scrolling on my phone. Like, why is my kid not sleeping? Why am I not sleeping? Why do I have insomnia? Like, it's very obvious now, right? Um, But at the time, it just, you know, I I had no clue. Um, And so now it makes sense that if I can start to sync my circadian rhythm with the light that's entering my eyes, and there's other things besides the blue light that the light gives us, then I can really control all of the tasks and sync them up and have them organized to when they're needed, when they're optimized to run throughout the day. It's fascinating to me. Like it's so on one hand, like scientific and, you know, understanding what happens in our eyes as the blue light comes in and understanding that there's blue light wavelengths and all of these different wavelengths and energies coming from the sun. And it has impact on us. Like it's very scientific. And yet, it's so simple that if we think back to, you know, not that long ago in our human story, we this conversation would never happen because we don't have all of these disturbances and we would have, there wasn't adrenal fatigue or there wasn't chronic insomnia or, you know, so many of the struggles that modern people are faced with because we rose and set with the sun, so to speak, because we didn't have natural lighting and all of this, these great modern technologies that help us and make our lives better on one hand, but have also complicated the matter for us. And we need to start to like tell that story and, and, and talk about it because I think that a lot of people don't look beyond what's right in front of them for, for a solution. And we often will take pills or add things in that, that make mask symptoms, but it's not getting to the root of the, of the, the issue. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, two two really more ancient healing practices that I love are traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine. And it's really all of those beautiful practices were always on the foundation of circadian rhythm, right? Like 4,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, like you said, you couldn't help but have a circadian rhythm. And so then they knew how to move chi, unblock thing, uh, unblock energy, uh, you know, stagnant energy. We're able to support the body with different uh, herbs and nutrients. But the foundation was always the fact that everyone was living in touch with their natural cycles, the natural day, day, night cycle, the seasonal cycles. So it was just implied. And so now it's kind of like we're going back again, right? It's like we have to remember that we have to now do daily habits to put us back in the state that we were designed to be in. I love how it's it's almost like rebellious to turn off our cell phones and our TVs and go back to this, you know, ancient way of being, of, of tuning into the cycle of, of the sun. Um, just on that, that sunlight before we kind of move on to water. So, you know, we, we talked about the circadian rhythm and rising with the sun um, and, and how the blue light kind of changes through the different times in the days. Um, how do you see sunlight as a nutrient? How do you best consume your sunlight? So we're talking about the beginning and the end of the days, trying to get sun on the eyes. Is that kind of the best way to do it? That's part of it. Absolutely. I try to, um, what I've recognized is that the body keys in on transitions. Okay. And what I mean by that is from when no blue light could be perceived before sunrise to now after blue light is available, that's a transition. So that's like a a signal that kicks off things. It'll kick off my HPA axis, right? My hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis because mitochondria make cortisol for me in response to that signal. Um, The other thing that you would say is that, okay, the sun gets a little higher. There's no ultraviolet light present until the sun reaches a certain height in the sky. And so as soon as the sun gets to 10 degrees above the horizon, 
ultraviolet A comes. That's another transition. That's where what I call neurotransmitter magic happens in the brain, because when we're outside during that transition time, we start to take, uh, we start to convert more of our, our amino acids. These are they're called aromatic amino acids into, into dopamine, serotonin, noradrenaline. Um, uh, and then we, there's chemicals in our brain that we cut up into chemicals like, like a beta endorphin. So we're meant to be outside in the morning to start, start our day off so that we feel good. We feel motivated. We're curious. We're ready. We're really ready to rev our day up and, 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 you know, survive, basically survive or make a baby basically is what we're trying to do. Um, <laughs> and then the next transition is when UVB appears and that doesn't happen in all latitudes during all seasons. I mean, I know you and I, there's a whole period of time where we have no UVB light, but that's another time to be outside because that signals, oh, I can make vitamin D. And we have heard the many benefits of vitamin D. And I find that when we make it through the skin, we actually make not only the type of vitamin D that we would take in a supplement, but also dozens of metabolites that are biologically active. So, you know, I find being and being out in the transitions and then again, sunset, right? Transition from blue light to no blue light indicates to my pineal gland, ah, the day is over. Let's start to make melatonin to put Carrie to sleep so she can sleep in darkness, run all of her programs to regenerate her body and restore her memory, you know, really encode her memory. And then you wake up and starts all over again. I feel like we need to redesign the uh, the post-industrial structure of our civilization of, you know, the the work culture, kind of the, the grind culture, staying up late, watching Netflix culture, and just kind of rebuild how we operate as a society around, you know, this the source of 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 life really in, in sunlight. Yeah. I, I always hear and it affects me too, like uh, more so I think year over year the seasonal affective disorder where in those dark winter months, especially if you're living somewhere that is, you know, not prone to lots of sunlight all the time mm -hmm. uh, here in Vancouver, you know, we had an exceptionally kind of gray winter and, you know, I felt it and I know others felt it and they're like, ah, I just don't know why, but it's, I'm really struggling. And it's like, well, no, because you're indoors before the sun rises in unnatural lighting and you're usually indoors while the sun sets because it's dark by 4 30 or whatever so we don't see any of that natural light and then the weather is not great so we're not getting the, the all of the different levels of sunlight on us and i remember just like in the middle of winter jonesing for sunny days and like when it finally was like some of the best days i can still remember because it was a saturday so i didn't have to be anywhere and i literally sat on my balcony like it's freezing cold, but I'm like hoodie on, but unzipped and toque on, like just at my hairline so I can get as much sun on my body as I can and feeling like, okay, now I'm, I'm literally being restored. And uh, my goodness, I think that anyone who has that experience, you, you know, just how you feel the power of, of being in the sun is so, so important. So it, it's so important. And, you know, as I, as I was listing all my symptoms, you know, part of what I also had in the winter was seasonal affective disorder. I had one of those bright lamps, right. You know, bright light boxes on my desk. And when I committed to a morning walk, it went away. And I can, again, kind of like I committed to post doing an Instagram post a day, every day, I committed to at least a 20 minute morning walk every day of the winter so that I was able to just be out in that natural light. And it just that little hit, it could be snowy. It was cloudy some days, some days, some occasionally it was sunny, very rare also in Michigan. Um, but it made a huge difference. And so it was almost like being outside, even on those gray days, it's brighter than it is inside ever. 
And so you're going to get that brightness effect of the energy, the energizing effect of the brightness. And you do still get some, you get the colors coming through, even though it doesn't feel like it. And so I encourage people, especially those of us who live in those, the gray and cloudy areas, still go outside because what you're getting outside in terms of sonic or uh, solar nourishment is a million times better than what you're getting with indoor lighting any day. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I mean, I think we could, we could continue to unpack the the benefits. Of sun. I don't know if you have any more questions. I, I always say like, I'm solar powered. I'm a solar powered human. I love being in the sun, I love that. Mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah. I just really, really always want to want to live into it. But um, one of the things, you know, when I'm out there in the, in the sun on a hot day or starting my walk, my, my morning walk, I usually bring with me some something to hydrate myself. It's one of the first things I do in the morning. And maybe we can talk about the importance of water as well. It's kind of another one of your your key pillars that you you uh, perpetuate and teach and talk about. Um, you share on your Instagram a great uh, example. We talk about structured or cohere, coherent water as being uh, kind of a, a leveled up version or a better version of water to consume. And um, I... I often struggled with ways to explain it to people. And then you have this post as a volleyball player um, talking about water and that like structured water or coherent water is like a volleyball team executing a play. Like they're working together for the benefit of the team. And this is the, this is the example of coherent or structured water versus unstructured water where it might just be a mishmash of volleyball players kind of doing their own thing kind of interesting but maybe not as beneficial as hey let's let's get on the same page and let's work together to a common goal um can you talk about or unpack a little bit more about you know how how you dove into water structuring water coherent water why it's important to you and some of the practices you have around your water habits sure absolutely yes and i love it thank you for bringing up that analogy it's like we think of water as just H2O all the time. And it's just these little water molecules and yeah, they're kind of mishmashing all over the place, not with no rhyme or reason. And it's true that water can exist in that state. It's, we call it bulk water. And typically water in a traditional liquid form, let's say you get it from a reverse osmosis or oftentimes you know a tap system, municipal tap system, that water doesn't actually have a lot of structure or organization to it. But what water really wants to do is it wants to form bonds, like really organized geometric bonds with other water molecules. And when it does that, we're, we're, we're discovering, we, the, the researchers, right, are discovering that when it does that, that's water's way of storing information. And also it can hold energy as well. And so while it doesn't necessarily change, water is still H2O in a glass, it actually changes qualities of water that make it more nourishing. So you, like I said, the energetic qualities of water, the information that's imparted in it, it's part of the, it's part of the logic behind homeopathy. Um, where, you know, you water can hold memory, uh, even at high dilutions, right? It's because of the how the water molecules arrange and organize themselves as a team would to hold on to something, to accomplish a task, to have, to have information. And so that's water in a glass. And I love it. I start my every day with structured water because I, you know, you basically it's filtered water that's been remineralized. There's ways to structure it, but my favorite way to structure it is through my own intention. So basically holding the glass, right? And just, you know, expressing gratitude for the day and gratitude for all the opportunities that come to me. And, you know, obviously I, I also express the love for my children and my family, you know, all the little things that I can, I can put into the water. And that's where you look at the work of Masaru Emoto or Veda Austin that show that water is responsive. It's the coolest thing ever. And so I know, I now know that when I'm imparting 
intention into my water, I'm actually creating structure. I'm helping the water molecules organize themselves to hold that intention. Then I imbibe it and kind of like a tuning fork effect, a vibrational effect. I'm basically giving myself that gratitude and love back. So it's really a a beautiful way to start the day. And then when you look at the water inside of our bodies, the water inside of our bodies does not want to be in that disorganized state. It really tries to organize itself into specific geometries. And one of the ways that it really organizes itself is into what's called the fourth phase of water or easy or exclusion zone water, which was popularized by Dr. Gerald Pollack. And what that looks like is if I were to take a look at the uh, water molecules under a molecular microscope, right? If I were to take a look at the ones that I said are disorganized, it's like H2O kind of sloshing over with another H2O molecule, sloshing over with another H2O molecule. So I call it like, you know, a dance party. They're all kind of dancing. They don't care if they have the same dance partner. They're going to go to this one, that one. When the water organizes itself in our body, the H's and the O's form hexagonal rings, like sheets of hexagons. And so it's very much like a choreographed ballet, right? Where we're we're almost in a very structured dance. And it's a very organized way for the, the H's and the O's to bond themselves together. And that happens next to all biological surfaces. It means it's everywhere. Every cell membrane, every piece of connective tissue, every bit of DNA, every bit of, um, of organelle and protein inside of our bodies has this organized water around it. And so when I heard that, I was like, why? <laughs> like, what's the point of that? And it turns out that when water does that, it actually gives itself, gives the water a negative charge. So unlike water in a glass, back to like high school chemistry, unlike water in a glass, which is neutral, not negative nor positively charged, water that's organized into those hexagons, that exclusion zone water is negatively charged. And every time that exclusion zone water forms, just outside of the exclusion zone, line, there's a whole line of protons, positively charged entities, right? These protons. And the lab work has shown that there's enough potential energy in the positive and the negative zones to light a light bulb. It's why batteries themselves have charge separation. There's a positive end and a negative end because that allows for the flow of electricity, the flow of electrons. We have that happening everywhere in our bodies. Yeah. So we've been sold, uh, like we, we've I, I, we've just never been taught that we can derive energy from the water in our bodies. And it turns out that when this water network in my body is exposed to infrared wavelengths of light, I expand that battery. I charge that battery up. And so that the research has shown that you can charge that water battery up fourfold with exposure to infrared. So then it goes to like, of course, we were meant to be outside under infrared light, which is present from sunrise until sunset. And then at night we would be by a campfire and that campfire, right, would also give us infrared. And when we evolved a little more modern, we had these saunas, right? There's a, for those who live in Northern latitudes, there's very much a robust history of sauna use, infrared as well. And, And so it's just so fascinating. Like we have such beautiful bodies that are meant to really be tuned into nature and we can get energy from it. And I was only ever taught that we can get energy from food, right? And so this just completely changed my view of, oh, that's why food didn't take me to that next level. Because that was maybe a third of the equation. And all of these other things really were the other two thirds. And I found out when I really started to apply and maximize those things, it was the game changer for me. I think that's where we got so excited too, like focusing on food and nutrition for so long. And we're like, okay, we can feel this good with a really like tuned in diet and kind of 
exercise regimen. And when we kind of got tapped into the water and the sunlight, we're like, well, what's possible? Like, how good can we feel? Like, what is the human potential um, of experiencing, you know, this, this life um, when we're optimizing our water practice and our light practice and we'll get further into the electrons and the mitochondria. But it's like, it's really exciting. If, if you want to feel good and you're listening to this, like, I don't know how you can kind of ignore these things once that door is kind of open to your, your awareness. Yeah, it, it, it takes an open mind. It really does, because these are unusual things that aren't talked about. But just because they're not talked about commonly yet doesn't mean that there hasn't been a whole bunch of research that has shown these things. It's just, again, it's not, it's not mainstream. So I really just encourage people. I had to have an open mind. I had to unlearn a lot of stuff actually. Right. You know, I had, I I was taught a couple of dogmas in various, various parts of my learning journey that I was just like, Oh, that's actually not true. And so it just, I encourage people to keep an open mind and just to try it because it's the application of it, which is pretty easy. And that's where you're going to notice it, whether or not it makes a difference in your body. And, and, and I really have, I'm really happy to say that once people try to apply light in these ways and understand how to charge up their water battery, they don't want to go back, right? They, they don't say, oh yeah, no, I, morning light. I'm never going to go in the morning light ever again. It's like, how can I restructure my workday to get more morning light? You know, like that's where their brain goes. And so I, it's just so encouraging to hear other people's journeys as well. Yeah. Before we kind of move on to the electrons, can you talk about um, aging as dehydration? I, I thought that was such an interesting concept. And it's, if you think about kind of the transition from newborn to, to death, you know, a, a newborn baby, you know, coming from the womb surrounded by, by you know, water uh, and, and fluid um, to as we age where, you know, we're, we're wrinkled and kind of, um, don't have that same suppleness as, as a, a newborn child. Can you kind of talk about aging as a kind of a, a path of dehydration? Sure. Absolutely. So if that water is a battery of energy for me, it would make sense that as I'm depleting that water, I'm basically draining a battery. I'm draining an energy source. And so what really stood out to me was the percentages that we see a baby is 90% water. And then when, as we age, you know, as we get the elderly can be measured at 50% water. And guess what? What happens when we go, like you said, stiffer, less supple. And what happens after death? Rigor mortis, right? You get this massive stiffening. And so what then the research was showing is that even stiff tissues, like if ever we have a, a tissue that has a knot in it, it has a, it's called, they, they call it a lack of bound water in, in the tissue. So what that means is that even stiffness that we feel in our bodies is a lack of hydration. Mm-hmm. So part of then maintaining uh, like a youthfulness throughout as, as much longevity as we're given would be maintaining the hydration status of our body based on the water that we drink. And again, maintaining that exclusion zone water with infrared exposures. And I, I just think it's um, a really cool strategy. I don't know anyone who's, you know, of, you know, old enough that has applied it for long enough, but I think it's something that I'm really going to want to apply knowing what I know about water and how it typically decreases just because it decreases and we consider that normal. It doesn't necessarily have to be what happens. Yeah. Just uh, in my own observations, um, it was interesting as my grandparents grew old and eventually passed. Like I remember uh, they lived in like assisted care um, 
and there was like a water schedule because none of these old folks wanted to drink anything like they were like they would have like literally a sip from a straw of apple juice or water and that was like it was a chore to them um versus you know in our our younger days like we're you know we're so active we're like constantly drinking whether it's water or you know various other forms of hydration um how that that thirst kind of went away um as as they age so similar to yourself i want to kind of practice on my own body to see Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. just make it one of my pillars one of my practices like i'm going to hydrate just like i'm going to have breakfast lunch and dinner and sleep like hydration is something that i will do yeah. Uh, see how you know, there's a fascinating book, a couple fascinating books I read um, from a doctor. He goes by Dr. Batman, but his name is much longer than that. But he was basically imprisoned during the Iranian Revolution. And um, he only had water at his disposal when prisoners would come up to him and be like, Doc, I've, I've got stomach pains. Doc, I've got a headache. Doc, I have a migraine. Doc, my knee hurts. And he just kept on saying, drink more water, drink more water, drink more water. And he was shocked at how many ailments went away simply by drinking more water. And he, so he's, he wrote a book. He's like, you know, you're not sick, you're thirsty. And, mm-hmm. a, and, you're, and the body's many cries for water. They're great books. But one of the things that stood out in, in that book, in the book, what, one of the books was, he said, he thinks that people lose the taste of thirst as they age because they're drinking the wrong type of water. Because they're drinking municipal tap water, which contains a lot of toxins, or even reverse osmosis water, which really doesn't have nutrients in it. It's devoid of nutrients. And so he says he thinks it's almost a feedback loop to say, oh, no, I, I don't want that. It's, it, it, does, it has no benefit for me, right? As opposed to the water that we were designed to drink, like a natural mineral, spring mineral water, that might be different to see if someone, you know, all of a sudden, if, you, if we start to give people in their 70s, 80s, 90s, true hydrating water full of nutrients, if that thirst mechanism would change and they start to crave water again. And then you look at some of these really long living um, places around the world, uh, oftentimes they're mountainous populations, when the water quality was tested, and now this is tested using more of an energetic quality, not necessarily measuring like total dissolved solids and pH and things like that, but the energetic quality of the water was up to 40 thousand times more energetic than typical tap water. And so they were it, it makes sense and and water was a huge part of what everybody wanted to continue to consume into longevity. So I think the quality of the water would really matter there. Yeah. So I, I remember hearing a stat somewhere somewhere around like maybe 70 to 80% of people are probably walking around dehydrated as right. it is. so if a lot of our listeners are are in that zone like, you know, they're like, "Oh, I got to get my hydration game on point." Um, what would you recommend? Because for a lot of people, they're like, okay, tap water, but then it's got, you know, might have stuff in it that I don't want. So we can do like a reverse osmosis kind of situation. But in doing that, then you're left with just pure water. There's not really much in there. Do you do stuff yes. to like remineralize water? Do you add, some people add hydrogen to their water? Like, I do, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Dean, I do it all right. Like, so, but but that being said, we can keep it simple too, because um, as a as a most basic scenario, you 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 either filter your water or like using a filtration device or your liver's got to filter it for you. So reverse osmosis is a great filter to get the garbage out. But like you said, it kind of depletes the good stuff as well. So one of the best and fastest rehydration strategies I found was to get some coarse Celtic sea salt, like the coarse grain, and take just one grain of that, dissolve it on your tongue, put a little intention into your water. 
thank you for the, the hydration you're going to give me and consume, you know, maybe about a half a glass at a time. Chugging water is not a good way to be hydrated. It's these little sips. And that if you can use this, the dissolving of the salt is a really interesting way to pull the water and the electrolytes into the body because both of those work hand in hand in terms of their ability to hydrate. So it's a it's a pretty quick and simple way. We don't could you spend five thousand dollars on some amazing water systems? Absolutely, you could. But you can also just go kind of old school, and it's just as good. <laughs> Will salt and a lot of love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly, in a couple sips. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that sipping too, like slowing down, because I I can definitely be like guilty of like okay, I wake up, I'm gonna guzzle down like you know half a liter of water or. or or whatnot and and um then i'm like feel like i've done my hydration but i think that's that's a nice reminder to slow down sip your water instead of just you know throwing it down the hatch like you would uh you know at a college party or something like that (laughs) right right and the opposite is true too i find like um, people get so engaged in their day that it's like been hours before they've had a sip of water and you really can't play catch up, right? You can't, it can't be six o'clock at night and you're like, oh no, I need like four more glasses of water because the body's not going to, body's not going to absorb it. So yeah, it's a great practice just to sip and be mindful of it throughout the day. That, that's one of my favorite posts you shared on the how to hydrate, what people think it is drinking eight glasses of water per day versus what it actually is. And you share that it's minerals, nasal breathing, movement. <laughs> drinking clean water, no fluoride, infrared, compression, blocking blue light and avoiding non-native EMS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. There's more to it. Right. And so that if, and that way it's like, okay, well, if I am, if I'm going on a walk that guess what I'm at, I am hydrating my body because I'm moving the fluid throughout my connective tissue. It's a form of hydration. So I, yeah, I, it goes way beyond just drinking, especially the quality of the water that you drink as well. All right, well, let's get into um, electrons. So I, I think there's been like, you know, we've growing up, we all had like maybe a, a hippie friend that would like take their shoes off and would <laughs> talk about grounding or earthing um, and would kind of maybe negate it because, you know, they looked like they were like on a different kind of planetary path. But there's really something to to this. Let, let's get into the electrons and, and the contact with the Earth's magnetic field. Um, and how, you know, getting back to the, our bodies are a battery and how the water, the earth, the electrons can all charge and energize us. Can you mm-hmm. kind of break this down? So- yeah, absolutely. So, so electrons, you know, now one of my rabbit holes, which you guys asked me about before we talk, talked about is the fact that electrons really aren't just particles, right? Like I'm not, a, I'm not a particle physicist. They, they're, it's more of a flow, but the surface of the earth is really full of this negative charge. Um, and so like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a infinite source of negative charge. And I have the ability to pull that charge into my bodies, into my body via my bare skin. So the connective tissue that's around every little piece of cell skin and cell that you see is also has water that exclusion zone water around it. Both of those are able to conduct the negative charge from the surface of the earth into the body. And so that's another source of energy for the body. We don't view the body as an electrical, but we are full of electricity. And so almost viewing it as like the same reason why I plug a cell up, I, I plug my um, cell phone charger into the outlet that into my cell phone is to pull electrons or electricity from the outlet into my cell phone. We're again, designed to plug our bare skin to the surface of the earth and pull that electricity or those that electron flow into our bodies. And that does so many different things. 
um, you know, the, the earthing research is quite robust. And so you'll see uh, instantaneously that electron flow takes place. Then within seconds, there's a balancing of the nervous system, the autonomic nervous system. And so most of us these days are really more tur turned towards fight or flight. That's more stressed out sympathetic nervous system. And then there's the parasympathetic nervous system, which doesn't necessarily get as much attention. And simply from earthing, there's a balancing of the, that, the autonomic nervous system, which is really important. We don't want one to dominate. So I don't want to be all parasympathetic don't want to be all sympathetic. I want them to be able to have this back and forth communication, which is why also earthing has been shown then to improve heart rate variability because HRV again is a, a marker of nervous system balance. Then, you know, that's within seconds. Within minutes, what you'll start to see if you look at blood flow, I don't know if anyone has ever seen a live blood analysis where they see the red blood cells like under a microscope, but what what I what's very common to see these days is to see red blood cells stacked up one on top of each other like a bunch of pancakes. And red blood cells are meant to be these beautiful individual rafts because their job is to deliver oxygen and nutrients to the cells. They can't do that when they're all clumped together. The formation is called a rouleau formation when they're stacked. And within five minutes of earthing, the electrons flow in and they actually flow around the exterior of the red blood cells, which is called zeta potential in the, in the fancy lingo for red blood cells and blood flow. But what that zeta potential does is picture trying to touch two ends of the same, like two similar ends of a magnet together. They'll always repel. I can't touch both south ends of a magnet together. It just doesn't work. And so the same thing, as soon as the electrons go back around all these red blood cells, they no longer can stack on top of each other. It's impossible for them to clump together anymore because they have all those two negative, two negative charges will repel each other. And so the reestablishment of the zeta potential uh, helps for the blood to be in its beautiful flow state and uh, allows for the nutrient delivery to happen. And that, again, within five minutes. And then when we're looking at, you know, for chronic inflammation, something along the lines of maybe osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis or healing a wound or a tissue injury, 40 minutes plus is where you start to have to go in order to be able to start to see changes in before and after scans. But again, 40 minutes, right, <laughs> of touching our bare feet to the earth or any bare skin to the earth has so many profound effects. And so I almost view it as an antioxidant as well. Because those electrons can basically come in and calm inflammation. They can reestablish nutrient delivery, blood flow, balance the nervous system. It just sets the stage to be in a body that's in full health mode and is able to heal if I am um, dealing with any sort of cr chronic inflammation or chronic illness. So we were, again, another way where we were just really, really meant to be in contact with nature way more than we are. And so knowing it makes the difference for me to be like, okay, I've only got two minutes but I'm gonna touch the bare earth outside with naked eyes so I can sync my circadian rhythm and I can get the two benefits, the, the two minutes of electron flow into my body and all the benefits that can happen within that amount of time. I love this. It makes me wanna like never wear shoes, you know? I'm like, <laughs> I know, totally. <laughs> I'm like, will, will society accept me if I never wear shoes again? <laughs> Do you know what's cool though? Natural hide sh uh, shoes would do the same thing, right? It's like, it really happened when we had those rubber soled shoes because picture how many um, civilizations and cultures were using animal hide in the colder months that also will conduct electrons through. Mm. So maybe you can get by being the complete weirdo that we really deep down are and <laughs> get, get the animal the animal hide shoes. I love it, I love it. I'm, I'm even just thinking about my mom. She's got like arthritis in her hands and I'm like, 
the right mom got to go out there and put those uh those feet to the earth and just yeah. just sit all you have to do is sit even right like if you don't have to be walking it's pretty chill pretty relaxing it's amazing i love how we've like built these societies and we just like uh these conveniences you know when really they're just kind of distracting us from these these core ways of being that we always have been that we need to re-remember you know how to live and how to live with nature and connect with nature in a deeper way like yeah. we, we are we are animals and we like to think that we're separate from yes. this natural world but really as you're you know so beautifully pointing out we are connected to the natural cycle of, of nature and the planet Absolutely. There's so many benefits when we recognize how to do that and the importance of it. So, yeah, it really just reinforces like, again, you know, <clears throat> devoid of any type of belief system, but it just reinforces like, we're not like you said, Zach, we're not separate from what we're part of. And, and there really is some sort of beautiful, harmonious, like design of like, being part of the earth around us, the sunrise above us, the water flowing from the spring that we can consume. And that when we do these things, it's like getting back to how it was intended to be, whether that's just, you know, pre-modern civilizations or some sort of like Garden of Eden, you know, perspective that, that we might have. But just, it's so beautiful to me to think like if someone is struggling with health and of course there are always going to be room for, you know, medical interventions and we have lots of science and data to show that these things are, are helpful in many situations. But for the average person who's feeling, you know, stressed and taxed and their immune system is run down, to think, okay, well, what if you tried for like two weeks, sit outside in the morning, put your bare feet on the ground, and have a glass of hot water or tea or whatever, just like water and speak positive intentions to it, a little bit of salt, drink it and sit there for 15 minutes and just commit to that for two weeks and see what happens. Because it would be fascinating, like you said, that, that, was the, that was the kind of penny drop moment for you. And just to see what that could do in our bodies, what energy that could shift, what we could heal or feel better from just by those simple, simple kind of old fashioned ancient pieces of wisdom and truth. We can it's really, it really is ancient wisdom. And yeah, that's why I really find this to be the foundation because do I still get chiropractic care? Yes. Do I still pay attention to my nutrition? Yes. Do I still make sure I go and to get my workouts in? Absolutely. Do I take supplements occasionally? Sure. We have, I had surgery to repair torn ligaments absolutely right but like this i find with all of those other things this is the foundation that only makes those things much more that much more successful so yeah. it's not like we're saying oh yeah no this is the only thing right this is the foundation that we were really like we, we were whether it was by god or evolution or however you want to look at it we have this built into us to be connected to nature and to have it have our health maximized when we do reconnect in in, in special ways like the light the grounding the water all right before we wrap up um i'd love to you know quickly touch on kind of your fourth pillar that you that you share through your social through your you know podcasts and everything the mitochondria mitigating exposure to non-native emfs practicing proper breathing techniques aligning your habits with the seasons cold plunging can you kind of do a quick dive into the mitochondria and how and, and why this is a pillar for yourself well, you know, mitochondria, where they're little tiny organelles that live in all of our cells, right? And there's thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of these in our cells, except our red blood cells. 
And what's, the, you know, for a long time, maybe, okay, so I, I would, used to teach a college course on um, holistic nutrition, and we would bring up mitochondria. And I would say, what are mitochondria? And someone would always say, the, the powerhouse of, of the cell, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Science Right, exactly. So because they make ATP, which they do, right? They absolutely make ATP. But what, what we've done is we've really sold mitochondria short because mitochondria are like the central hub, these communicators. They take electrons in. As they take electrons in, they make water for us. This is water that then can become this exclusion zone water. They make ATP, which yes, that can help proteins function and proteins operate. They make infrared heat, which can help to charge our exclusion zone water battery. They emit photons of light to communicate to the DNA for gene expression, to communicate to the cell membrane, what's going on in the cell and if the immune system might need to be alerted. So like these mitochondria are really sensors and they're very, very tuned into because they used to be their own little bacterial species. Uh, they, they're very tuned into the environment of our bodies, inside of our bodies, but also the environment of our exterior, outside of our bodies, which would be frequencies, wavelengths of energy that can penetrate right through us. For example, if I were to hold a radio up right now, I could turn it on and tune it to 103.3 and it would put on the latest pop music, right? And that's an invisible signal that's in my environment. If I have the receiver for it, if I have a way to tune into it, I can get an information from that, right? I can get a song. My mitochondria are very similar. They're sensors of that frequency information, which is why I think they're so impacted by the massive amount of non-native EMFs we're exposed to nowadays, um, which are just not natural signals, right? Not signals that we've become accustomed to. And really, if you think about it, I don't know about you guys, but like, my first legitimate cell phone that could actually do anything was after college and I mean, like I had talk and text and I, I probably had a smartphone, maybe when did I graduate? Maybe, maybe 15, maybe 13 years ago, right? Within 13 years, think about how that technology has just massively taken off. And I love it, right? Because we do, like I wouldn't be posting on Instagram without it. I wouldn't be doing these sorts of things without technology. But I think we're, it's a bit naive to say, oh, it doesn't do anything, right? There's no harm in it. And what we're recognizing is that the mitochondria are perceiving it as a danger signal quite often, and that that can affect how they're able to make water for us, how they're able to make ATP and infrared for us. And ultimately, in a lot of what we're, what we're recognizing in a lot of diagnosed diseases, it really is just mitochondrial dysfunction that reaches a certain threshold in a given tissue. In the brain, it could be brain fog, migraines, Alzheimer's disease, other forms of dementia. Um, you know, in the cardiovascular system, it could it could look like high blood pressure. It could look like um, some some form of a heart failure. It could look like challenges in the immune system or autoimmune conditions. But it's really just the mitochondria not making the water and ATP, and also maybe signaling something is always at danger because they're always perceiving a threat. So interesting. I love I love these these pillars, and I love that um, you know they really are approachable and easy to apply once you kind of are able to comprehend and understand them. Um, can you kind of just quickly allude to practicing proper breathing techniques um, so that um, you know when we're going for our walks, when we're when we're connecting our feet to the earth, we can also be practicing proper breathing at the same time. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was, it's how I, I don't breathe the way I breathe for about 40 years, 40 years of my life, which was with my mouth open all the time, apparently. Um, so, uh, one of the coolest things that people can do, and you could probably, people could probably search for this on YouTube is figure out their bolt score. It stands for blood oxygen level test. And what it is, it's basically an inhale and an exhale, and it's being able to time after your full exhale, when you sense air hunger again. And that air hunger, it's not a full breath hold. It's just, when would I breathe? My bolt score was seven seconds. That's pretty abysmal. Like an ideal bolt score bolt score is 20 seconds. And what that indicated to me when I had a bolt score of seven seconds, it meant that I had dysfunctional breathing patterns. I was breathing with my mouth open probably all day long. I was probably holding my breath unconsciously. It's something called email apnea that people, when they're scrolling on social media, they unconsciously hold their breath. Um, which conscious breath holds and breath practices are great. Unconscious breath holding, not lovely. Um, same thing at night that I'm certain I was breathing with my mouth open at night as well. And so through a couple of different breath, breath practices, especially though, just being aware of closing my mouth at all times, placing my tongue as flat as I can on the roof of my mouth, as I kept my mouth closed. And then at night I did have to use, and I still use it sometimes just when I'm doing work without talking to people, you know, just to make sure my mouth is closed at all times. I had to mouth tape at night. And um, and again, with some breath hold practices, it was a big game changer because when we breathe well through our nose, we pull the oxygen into our bloodstream. And we also allow a big enough carbon dioxide buildup to shoot that oxygen off of our red blood cells to the mitochondria where they make water with it. And so it's all connected, right? It's all connected. And these are just simple things that we're not taught. Like this should be taught in kindergarten. Close your mouth, breathe your nose. <laughs> it's just not these days. <laughs> yeah. I've been a mouth taper for the last uh, probably, what, two years now or so <clears throat> at night. And it's unreal. My wife loves it because I don't <laughs> yep. snore anymore. And I wake up feeling amazing, like so much more rested, refreshed that yeah, it's it's brilliant. I tell people, yeah. isn't that like claustrophobic? I was like, no, if, like I get the best sleep of my life. Absolutely. No, I, typically what people get, if uh, signals to me that I would look for breathing would be someone who wakes up frequently all night long or sleeps a, a decent amount of time. Like, well, I'm in, I'm asleep for eight and a half hours, but I wake up feeling exhausted. Like I had, like I haven't slept at all. Those are two key signals to me to be like, oh, we got to check your bolt score. We got to, we got to assess your breathing. That was me. I was, uh, I'd sleep a good eight hours every night and sometimes all the way through, like not wake up. But I, when I did wake up, I felt like I hadn't slept. It was crazy. Yep. 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 Absolutely. All right. So breathe with our with our our noses. Kind of try to keep our keep our mouth shut. Uh, those those <laughs> lips. Um, so for people that are um, struggling with fatigue, burnout, I know you talk on adrenal fatigue. Uh, do you have any quick pointers on adrenal fatigue? Um, you know, we've had a lot of stress, a lot of burnout, a lot of anxiety in the last you know four years as we've been dealing with so many changes and uncertainty. Um, are there any takeaways that you can share uh, so that we can kind of get to that base level and, and start to live an energized, more full life? Oh, absolutely, right? So it's not necessarily that the adrenal glands go poop, right? They don't, they don't poop out on us. What I have found to be a big issue with adrenal fatigue is number one, we're not signaling to them 
when to make the cortisol in the first place, or we're creating a confusing signal. So step one is going outside and getting that morning light, especially if you can within the first hour after sunrise, because that is what triggers that HPA access to tell the mitochondria there to make pregnenolone. And that pregnenolone then can become cortisol if we need it. It can become all of their other steroid hormones if we're you know ready to make a baby, right? So it can get divvied up. Without that signal, we're not making enough pregnenolone to then become the cortisol to meet our demands. So morning light is key. And then secondarily, yes, there's is there always potentially going to be a deadline or bills to pay or a challenging relationship or a conversation at work or a, a car that got in our way? Those stressors are always going to be there. But I think when we realize that the impact of things like non-native EMFs and even light bulbs that flicker, modern lighting flickers on and off continuously. When we mitigate a couple of those things, like when we remove the wireless technology from our bodies, off of our physical bodies, when we turn the indoor lights off more and we go out to nature and into sunlight or natural light that never flickers, and we touch the earth with bare feet, we get that calming effect. We get that balancing effect. And so we're exposed to these hidden stressors beyond the typical ones that we think of that are involved work and relationship and bills. And we're really just being bombarded with frequencies that are foreign, lighting that's really creating a nervous system, you know, nervous system havoc. And when we can step away from that or minimize it, we allow our adrenal glands to be like, oh, okay. And so now that fight at work or that, that fight with the boss or a, a sibling or a significant other, it becomes more manageable because we've basically lowered our total threat, our, our total uh, stress uh, load down to where it's like, now I have the capacity to handle those. They're always going to be there um, because we're just aware of these other stressors that we, we can mitigate. Yeah, that's so good. I think that's so important for people to hear and yeah, know that you're not, you're not some sort of jerk or bad person because you know that whatever person who cuts you off in traffic or often it's the people we're closest to that just irritated you. But to know you might be operating at a threshold that's not normal, not healthy. And there are ways that you can bring that down. And it's again, these simple, simple methods that are all so important. Absolutely. Well, Carrie, just being mindful of your time, I just want to say we're so grateful for what you share, um, kind of your own journey that you've gone on in, in kind of discovering this, this path of, of health and wellness for yourself and, and kind of letting that light for so many others to gravitate towards and walk their own path into, you know, a, a healthier, more full version of themselves. I, I'm personally grateful. Um, I'm excited to continue to follow your journey and, and, and learn from your posts and your shares and, and it lights me up. So, so thank you. Um, in closing, we have a question that we ask uh, all of our guests and I'll, I'll kind of let Dean kind of close it out here. Yeah, sure. We, uh, <clears throat> we call the podcast a little more good knowing that that's what we wanted to, you know, see and do and kind of create in the world and, and be about in our lives through everything we put out and consume and all that kind of stuff. And we love to hear from our guests, like when, when you hear that phrase a little more good, um, how does that resonate with you? What does that mean for you? It, it automatically ties me to love. Um, and here's why we didn't, we didn't dive into this necessarily, but at the finest scale of the quantum universe, this, this it's been called the zero point field. It's been called the ether in more ancient times. But at the finest scale, we're all connected. We're all one. And so 
my love matters in this world. My love contributes to the greater good of this interconnected web that we all live in. And so I think if people can just realize even those just little bouts of love, whether it's loving yourself more, whether it's showing kindness or love in small ways, it adds up. Because when you understand the, the quantum field and that interconnectedness, I would much rather my quantum field be full of the vibrations of love as opposed to any of those other ones, the fear, the the hate that we're just seeing a lot of these days. Wow, that's so good. Thank you. <laughs> I, love, I love that. <laughs> I love, I love yes. love. We can all use more love. A little more love. <laughs> well, we love this conversation. Thank you so much, Carrie. Grateful for you. Oh, thank you so much, Zach. Thanks, Dean. I had a lovely time chatting with you both. Fantastic. All right. Take care. Well, there you have it, folks. Carrie Bennett, Carrie B. Wellness, dropping the knowledge of how to live quantumly. We love it. We've been taking our shoes off. We've been drinking the coherent water. We've been avoiding our screens at nighttime, standing, looking at the sun in the morning as it rises. I love it. I mean, your routine's pretty dialed. You you wake up and uh, head down to Athiana Farms, shake those shoes off. I don't even wear shoes anymore. I just walk out. Like I don't even put shoes on to get there. I just walk barefoot there now. I'm always carrying my shoes like a weirdo. (laughs) It's like people look at me so funny. It's like the guy that like rides his bike with like the helmet like on the handlebars. You know, like people are like, "Why are you carrying shoes? Like just wear your shoes." I'm like, "Oh, the shoes are for when I get to the end of the grass." And I like don't want to walk on the pavement for too long, so then I put the shoes on. Yeah, I know it's, it's good. Just, uh, it's a funny life, you know. Side effect, side effect of the quantum life: feeling amazing and carrying your shoes around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we hope that you enjoyed this one. Uh, we're so grateful to Carrie, uh, all of her knowledge, her willingness to just share, and the incredible resource that she is online, her website, but certainly her Instagram. Be sure to check it out. Um, it is, as I say, just a, an amazing resource that you can dive into. Carrie B Wellness, um, find that, search that up on the Instagram, and you'll um, you'll be blown away by what she shares. It's simple and profound all at the same time, and literally, um, literally life changing. So, thank you to Carrie for the work that she does and for joining us today. Thank you, listener, for making it this far. Uh, we always appreciate your time and attention in uh, tracking along with us and listening give us a review wherever you listen to it uh, rate it it helps us out it just helps us spread the message in the in the algorithms of all the things so thank you please please take the the second or two that it takes to review uh, share it with someone if you know they'll like it um, and we just appreciate you we also appreciate Vancity Vancity is Canada's largest credit union and it is a financial force for change in our community, which is awesome. Being a Vancity member means that your financial needs are met with the flexible products and services you want and your deposits support the things that you care about, like environmental sustainability, climate change, affordable housing, financial resilience, and reconciliation. So we like that. We like that about Vancity. We like all of those things, affordable housing, climate action, sustainability, reconciliation. Those are all good things. And Van City is also a credit union of firsts where you can, uh, you know, where you bank can really change everything. And Van City was the first North American based financial institution to be carbon neutral. 
the first to offer mortgages to women without a male co-signer, and the first financial institution in Canada to provide a carbon counter on a Visa credit card. So that's pretty awesome. Um, if you want to become a new member with Van City, you can get up to $790 in value when you join Van City. And you know, while you do so, you're going to know that your deposits, your transactions with them help build a clean and fair world. So visit vancity.com slash join and learn more about the movement. Terms and conditions, as always, apply. But go check it out. vancity.com slash join. Appreciate Vancity. Appreciate uh, Planted and the, the great expos that they put on here in Vancouver and in Toronto and that they were able to connect us. And we just want to give both Vancity and Planted a big shout out. Say thanks for all you do. All right. All right. Appreciate you all. We'll tune in with y'all. Same time, same place next week. Yes. Stay good. Stay good. Stay good. Peace.